Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is called the TikTok Stocks Guy. He's also worked with Merrill Lynch. He's worked with Pelican Institute for Public Policy. He's been a, uh, he's a senior analyst, equities analyst at Maudlin Economics. And uh, let me welcome him to the show for the first time, Mr. Robert Ross. Welcome. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate, appreciate you bringing me on. Thanks for coming through, TikTok Stocks Guy. All right, so we, we do um, a lot on Thrive Thursday, and we have a lot of folk uh, investing in stocks. And I thought this 1999 clip was poignant because I remember, because I was in publishing at the time, when Amazon launched his website. And I said, ooh, it's going to be a problem. And this is before the Kindle. This is before the ebook because they were doing something nasty that publishers could not, or and Barnes and Noble and Borders at the time couldn't compete with. We would sell them the book at wholesale, right? The $20 book would sell it to them for $10 and they would put it up on their website for $9.99. Losing a penny. Barnes and Noble would sell that same book for $25, making $15. But I was like, oh, that's nasty because volume, just like in car dealerships, that is going to turn the tide and build habits. And I was not. And then when they started adding product, I was in the Kindle lights out. What's the Amazon of today? Well, there's a lot of industries being disrupted right now, especially because of COVID. I mean, one, one of them, especially that's a, a top stock that I've held for a while is Teladoc, which is especially even before COVID, I, I have a lot of friends that work in medicine and they were already switching over more to, you know, virtual hospital visits, you know, instead of having to go to see your doctor in person, you know, and when I go to the doctor, I was like, I probably could have just done this over Zoom. So that was already unfolding the, the telemedicine trend. But COVID just ramped that up, you know. Now, now it's way expanding much faster than before. Um, so I think that'll disrupt a lot of um, not only companies that own hospitals, but also traditional insurance companies who either choose not to adopt to use telemedicine technology, or simply don't have the, the wherewithal to, to use it yet. Um, but I mean, Amazon is still disrupting as well, though. Um, the e-commerce boom over the last year. Um, has 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 really kicked into high gear. Uh, as as like a young person, I'm just, I I buy basically everything online at this point. But only about fifteen to seventeen percent of retail sales in the U.S. are done through e-commerce platforms. So I think that's going even, to expand. even during COVID. Even during COVID, I think it hit you know the mid twenties, but has since fallen back down. Um, which you know I I buy everything online, and most people I know do as well. But I think a lot of people who maybe didn't know how to use e-commerce platforms before COVID and now we're forced to now those customers, you know, it's called being like a sticky customer because now they realize how convenient it is, whether, you know, that's ordering groceries or ordering, you know, wh whatever it is, you're a water bottle off Amazon. Uh, it, it's much easier now, especially now that they've been forced to use these products. I see on your TikTok, uh, Etsy is uh, something that you're excited about. Uh, tell us why. Uh, so I've actually, the, my latest video, I actually said that you should probably sell Etsy oh. because with their earnings, they were benefiting from mask sales. Because I mean, especially early on in COVID, if you remember, you know, it was kind of hard to find a mask. Um, so Etsy kind of filled the void there with, with you know, these, you know, independent uh, Etsy stores on there. And it accounted for about, I want to say about 12% of their earnings at a certain point. 
But I was saying, you know, I think that trend, you know, Etsy long term, we'll see if there's, you know, the, again, those sticky customers stick who maybe came on to buy a mask initially. But now, you know, it, it, it's already kind of priced into their stock. So I was actually taking profits on Etsy uh, this last okay. week. But that doesn't mean the e-commerce trend is stopping by any means. I think well, Etsy might just be a little ahead of its skis at this point. There are a lot of tech companies that are taking a hit because things are, you know, opening back up. I know Zoom and a few others because we were doing everything online. And I think it's going to be like people are going to lose their minds once we I don't know if we're going to ever get to herd immunity. But once all of the states decide it doesn't matter how many people die, that's how that's okay. Karen Hunter's still going to be wearing a mask forever. But y'all go ahead and act like it's still 1999 or 2019. Knock yourselves out. But as a result, I think psychologically, all of the companies that were struggling, the airlines, the cruises, Disney's opening back up. Disney stock, actually, Disney did well because of Disney+. And, you know, um, and they were able to capitalize off of the streaming what what else can we be looking at if we were investing during this COVID time that's probably we should get out like Etsy? Well, that's kind of, Disney's a great example of that. that that's been a long-term holding for me. I actually bought them during the COVID crash because at the time they generated about 30% of their sales just from theme parks, which obviously have been closed for about the last year. But they had incredible timing with the streaming platform, Disney Plus, because I think they launched it in November, 2019 you know, right before all this, uh, all COVID kind of took off and locked down uh, much of the global economy for, you know, a significant period of time. So I still like Disney, um, especially with the parks opening up. But one um, industry I've been doing a lot of research on are the airlines, which for me, airlines were a terrible industry to invest in before COVID. They kind of, the stock prices just went nowhere. They're not great businesses. But because of COVID, they had to restrict the amount of flights that they were taking because there just weren't that many people taking flights. But now I, I expect there's going to be some sort of a travel boom. But since there's a lower supply of flights available and more demand for flights, I think that's going to be really good for the prices of airline tickets, which will benefit air, the airline companies and their stock prices, at least temporarily. You said you're young. We're talking with Robert Ross, the TikTok stock guy. Uh, you can follow him at Robert Ross underscore uh, on the Twitters, right? Robert Ross underscore. Yeah. Robert E. Ross underscore on Twitter. Oh, yes, you're right. There is an E there. I apologize. <laughs> All right. Uh, how young are you? I, I'm actually not that young. I'm 33. Okay. All right. So you earned some of the gray in your beard. When yeah, did you, oh, for sure. When did you start investing and why? Um, so I took my first right out of college. I came graduated in uh, 2010 and, you know, it was just coming out of the financial crisis. So I was basically taking any job I could get. Um, and I, I ended up landing an internship at Merrill Lynch in their wealth management department. And, you know, didn't love working you know, in a big corporate culture. So after that, went to go work at a, a think tank where I was I was living in New Orleans at the time. Um, where I was doing a lot of writing on uh, public policy. Uh, my background's in economics, not really in finance uh, at that time. And, you know, I liked it, but there wasn't a lot of room for growth. So, you know, I kind of wanted to combine the research I was doing at Merrill Lynch and the writing I was doing at the think tank. And my professor at the time recommended uh, me to an investment research company called Casey Research, where I worked for about uh, two and a half years as a junior analyst. And then when they started a sister company called Malden Economics, and they wanted someone to help build out their analyst team and, and, and lead their analyst team. They selected me uh, to, to do that. And I've been there ever since. And your um, job, so was, 
your your job is to look at the stocks and analyze where when they're going to dip, when it may come back, when they may not ever come back. They brought up Sears in 1999 as being the stalwart, uh, you know, that that stable stock. And then uh, Steve Mnuchin got on the board. And uh, anyway, I'm not going to get political with you, but um, <laughs> Sears no more. What are you seeing when you, you know, how did you know you had a gift? You know, we we talk about um, Berkshire Hathaway, you know, Warren Buffett being this guy that's kind of like the soothsayer. But I think he's been doing this so long that these these ebbs and flows are kind of like you can predict them if you've been watching it long enough. Um, it, To a certain extent, I think the, the style of, of investing that I promote is long term investing. You know, it's not, you know, everybody kind of wants to be like a day trader and kind of, you know, putting on like these big trades that they see on shows like Billions and in, uh, the movies like The Big Short. But really, that's not how most, especially retail investors, really build wealth in the stock market over a long period of time. The way that you really do that is to buy and hold companies that are growing their earnings, usually large established companies. And you just hold them for, you know, very long periods of time. Most of the money made in the stock market is is by waiting and by having patience, not really by, you know, day trading or anything like that. So I think what I try and do um, now on TikTok and have been doing at um, Malden Economics for a long time is kind of just explain what's happening in the stock market to retail investors. So, you know, whether that's, you know, recently we've had bond yields rising that are causing, you know, technology stocks to kind of pull back. So kind of just explaining what's happening, but make sure people keep an eye on the long term and, and holding on to their stocks because you don't want to get shaken out, you know, especially at a time like this. Right? No, and I think doing well for a while. People have FOMO and then they also are reactionary. This this stock investing is not like I'm an, a dividend investor and I'm investing for the long term and I'm looking at dividends. So when I had Delta and then they stopped their dividend because they were doing really well. Actually, of all the airlines, Delta had a great CEO and they were doing some really smart things and they were, you know, so I'm reading their earnings and they were doing, and then COVID happened. And then I had the decision to make, you know, because the stock plummeted. Do I, do I unload? Do I, do I think that we're going to be in this pandemic forever? Will they ever bring their, their dividends back? And this, these are questions that you have to ask yourself, right? Because, the only reason why I invested in them is because they paid a healthy dividend and the co- company was healthy and now they're not. So, you know, how do you look at stocks like that? Um, I, I'm a big fan of dividend paying stocks. That's actually, I've run a service at Malden Economics uh, subscription service for about five years now. That's all, that's all I do is recommend dividend paying stocks because, um, you know, it's, it's a very safe way to approach investing. But ki- kind of to your point, you know, when there are big pullbacks like that, like we had in March, that's actually the best time to be buying on a historical standpoint. Uh, people always want to buy stocks, you know, when they're doing really well and typically when they're high. Uh, and it's, it's counterintuitive, but really March 2020 of last year, that was the best time to be buying stocks. And it's also the, the scariest time to be doing right. it, too, because there's so much uncertainty. But it's an it's a old quote investing, you know, it's, it's buy, buy, buy when, when there's blood in the streets. You know, that's, it's, it's a classic saying in investing. Easier said than done. Um, but that's one thing I try and keep keep people, you know, on the on the straight and narrow with during, during times like that. Where are you, uh, Robert Ross? We're with Robert Ross, Robert E. Ross underscore on Twitter with crypto, because uh, there's a lot of crypto news. People with the NTFs buying a, the non was it non trade fungible NFTs? What is it? Non fungible, non fungible tokens. Ugh. 
Oh my goodness! You know that now Elon Musk is involved. You got the the, the uh, Twitter guy selling some damn email. It's weird. And then you have Bitcoin that is doing some ridiculous stuff, and other coins are coming in. Where do you sit? Is this long term? Do you think this is going to last? I I think that it, it, there are some very interesting projects in the cryptocurrency space. My personally, my largest position is Bitcoin, but I would say right now buying, I mean, you're buying kind of near the top and there's some, I use some like technical indicators to try and figure out um, when's kind of a good time to take profits and when a good time is to buy. And what one of them that I look for, it's called net unrealized profit and loss or, or NUPL, N-U-P-L. You can look it up um, online if anyone's interested. Um, but right now it's saying that we're near like the max greed phase of the cycle. So I've actually been kind of trimming my Bitcoin position a little bit over the last few months. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to sell my whole position by any means. I think long term, you know, it's going to be a very fruitful investment. But, you know, as as the largest position in my portfolio, I kind of wanted to de-risk that position to a certain extent. When did but, you get in? When when did it be when did it and you plowed a lot, lot in you? What did you see that many people did not? Um, so I started buying Bitcoin back in early 2017 before the last major bull run. Um, and, you know, I. We went on, I think Bitcoin went from about, you know, 3,000 to 19,000 throughout right. that year. And I'm not going to lie, I, I, I bought at the top too. I was buying kind of the whole way up and then it, it crashed back down for about two, two and a half years until the latest bull run. Um, but, you Boy, know, I still the bull is gore. I mean, $60,000. You think 2017, $3,000 per coin to today. What the hell? That it defies logic. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do. I mean, there's a lot of money in the system right now, especially you know not only the the stimulus checks that have been going out, but you know how you know the central bank policy works in this country. It's it's been an easy money regime in the U.S. for a while. So that that money is it's got to go somewhere, and I think we're seeing it show up in stocks and in the bond market, but also in cryptocurrencies and and now NFTs as well. Which, full disclosure, I don't totally get the NFT thing either. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. But so I mean, if we don't get it. We shouldn't do it. That's that's my rule of thumb. All right. You you get a stimulus check, which I'm sure you do not, Robert Ross. So, but you, tomorrow, no, I don't even don't even lie and say you got a stimulus check because I already know you do not have a stimulus check coming your way. But you get a stimulus check tomorrow in the fantasy world, fourteen hundred dollars. What do you do with it? Well, it depends. And again, I'm not a financial advisor, so I can't I know, give any I'm not, financial advice. We're just advice, playing a game. We're playing but, a game. Okay. This is not for We don't want anyone <laughs> to do what he's saying to do. We're not telling you to go out and do it. I'm just curious. Robert Ross, you get $1,400 tomorrow. The STEMI, what are you doing with it? So if I have, you know, any outstanding debts or anything, I'm definitely paying that off first. And that's what I always tell people, especially the, the younger audience on TikTok, is that before you really start investing, you kind of need to have your financial house in order. And that's kind of, you know, get paying down bad debt, making sure that you have some sort of a safety net, usually at least a few months of expenses. And then whatever you have left over after expenses, you know, you it's a good idea to maybe invest in like a very low risk, like index fund, but make sure you use a tax advantaged account as well, like a Roth IRA or, or 401k, or if you have any uh, programs through, through, through your, the company you work for. Um, but yeah, and then you just have to hang on to it for a long time, though. It's not you don't just buy it. It's not just going to go up right away. You know, you're you're. It's kind of a delayed gratification. So you you just need to you know buy it and sit on it for a long time. 
how did you learn that? I mean, because most young people, you know, they want to get rich quick. They think they're going to live forever. They, you know, they're they're not risk averse at all. They're going to jump in with both feet and worry about the consequences later. Where did you learn this? This this is a long game. This is the thing that you stick around for. You got to see the compounding of your your good. Like it doesn't happen overnight. That that seed that you planted is not going to grow into an oak tree tomorrow. That little acorn. How, how did you learn that? I, I think I was able to work with a lot of really smart people, uh, especially at Malden Economics. You've got guys like Jared Dillian. He's got a big following on Twitter as well. Um, but I, and I just really read a lot about this stuff. I'm kind of what, a nerd for, for investing stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of Peter Lynch. He's mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite investing book ever. It's called One Up on Wall Street. I recommend it to, to anyone who's looking to get into investing. He kind of shows how, for, for one, he's really one of the best investors of the last 50 years. But he's also, you know, kind of shows how retail investors can have an edge in the marketplace because, you know, the guys who are like running hedge funds and stuff, they're, they're not really in touch with the consumer. You know, they don't know what people are like or what or what, you know, products they're liking or, or you can kind of like, you know, like I use Spotify, like I've used Spotify for about 10 years. Oh, now. that's like the, the, that's a bad word here on Sirius XM. Oh, All I'm right. sorry about that's that. Okay. I like Sirius XM. Thank too, you. But. There you go. <laughs> Um, but you know, if you're if you if there's a product you like and you're using it a lot and you see other people are using it, that can also translate to that company's earnings report as well eventually. So I mean, you can you can kind of decipher these things as a retail investor that a lot of institutional investors won't catch on to until later on. I like it. Okay, um, how do people find you on TikTok? Because uh, so it's yeah, it's tick stocks. So just T I K like TikTok and then stocks. Tick stocks. Uh, how are you able to get that? You got on early. Uh, you were early adopter. I, I was pretty early on there. I think I started my account in about November 2019. Okay. Tick, T-I-K, stocks. And he's the TikTok stocks guy, Robert Ross. Uh, you know you know your stuff. Um, I, I, was, I was jabbing you a little bit to see. But uh, the great advice, pay off your debt. That was a trick question, but you answered it correctly. Pay down your debt. Long-term investing. Don't try to go for the, the quick fix, the easy. Don't have FOMO. This is a long game. Be patient. And what you think is good because you are using it, lean into it. But do your homework too, right? Robert, like what where do you go to read up on the companies that you are looking to invest in? So now there's never been more free resources for investing than there are right now. I think there's a lot of great people to follow on Twitter. That's where I get a lot of my ideas for investing. Um, but you can also go on websites like seekingalpha.com has tons of free research on there. And it's designed for a retail investor as well. So it's not, you know, like like industry jargon or anything. It's most of it's broken down so that really anyone can understand it. Um, so I like Seeking Alpha. I, Wall Street Journal has a lot of great stuff that I read. Um, Barrett Barron's is another great resource. Um, but I'd say Twitter really is the best free resource for, for investing information these days. Okay. You talked in the last, and I, I said it was the last, but now that was the penultimate. Uh, you know, you, you talked about investing um, in ETFs, right? Um, and because that's, you know, the mutual funds and ETFs, it's easy. You don't have to really think too much. You know, they're, they're bundled, uh, stocks that are usually pretty safe. But if, if a person wants to do individual stocks, what should a portfolio look like to be quote unquote healthy? And how many shares should you have of each stock in your portfolio? That would be a nice foundation for you over the long haul. And how much should you add to it every year? to grow it? 
So for me personally, I, I'm a little more risk averse. Some people will do all speculative portfolio and, you know, more power to you if you can do it. You just have to be prepared for a lot of volatility in your portfolio. So that's a lot of that's a lot of booms and a lot of busts. For me, I like to have about 40 percent of my portfolio in growth stocks. So that would be something like an Etsy or, you know, a smaller company that's going to be growing faster. And then I like to have about 30 percent in, you know, value stocks and in index funds. So a value stock would be, you know, like Disney, Johnson and Johnson, really established businesses that aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And then I like to have about, so what am I at now? That's about 70%. You got, you got I like 30 have, more left here. Yeah. So I like, I, I have 20%, 15 to 20% in inflation hedges. So that's things like Bitcoin. That's things like gold and commodities. A good commodities ETF that you can look into is called, the ticker is DBA. It's just a big basket of commodities. And then you want to have some the rest of that in cash so that you can pounce on opportunities. Say if we have a pullback, like we had today, tech stocks are down about 3% today and have kind of been pulling back a little bit over the last few weeks. So for me, I'm, I'm happy to have that cash you know, available to go um, when, when the assets that I've been watching for a while are you know, on sale. So it's, it's usually a good time to buy if there's a big pullback like that. Although again, like we were talking about before, you know, it's, it's from an emotional standpoint, it's hard to do that. This is all easier said than done, but this it does get a, easier with time. This is not emotion. This is the building of your financial future, the legacy of your family. And it should be done methodically. It should be done with, with a great head and, and knowledge. It shouldn't just be done based on your feelings. You're not gambling. This is not the lotto. This is your financial future, and it should be done in this sober kind of way. I applaud you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.